Before we get into this episode of the podcast, I want to go ahead and highlight someone who was kind enough to leave a review on iTunes, Gavin Rabideau. I've learned so much information that wasn't taught in getting my music management major. I have a few questions that I would love to talk to Rick on the podcast or just have a conversation between each other. I've recommended this podcast to multiple artists that needed help. Gavin, reach out to me. Send me a direct message. Head over to Instagram, at Rick Barker Music. Shoot me a message, and we will set something up. If you'd like to be featured, all you have to do is leave a review on iTunes. Before we get into this episode of the podcast, I want to go ahead and let you know that my guest today, great conversation, by the way, but uh, he does drop a couple F-bombs, so if that's going to uh, offend you, you may want to skip this episode, but if you understand it's only rock and roll and you like it, then you are going to enjoy Mr. Matt Bacon. Let's do it. Right now is the best time ever to be in the music industry. The opportunities to build, engage, and monetize a fan base has never been easier. So why do so many artists still feel stuck and frustrated? Because the music industry is constantly evolving, and they aren't. I created this podcast as a way to help you navigate the music industry, to stay up to date with the changes, to help get your mind focused on what really matters. My name is Rick Barker, and I went from living homeless on the streets, addicted to drugs, to helping launch one of the biggest stars in the world. I've consulted major labels like Sony and Big Machine Records, talent TV shows like American Idol and The Launch. I co-authored the $150,000 music degree, and I speak at music conferences all over the world. I have a goal to affect millions of people with songs I didn't write or perform by helping creatives just like you get your content to the world. This podcast is one of my ways to achieve that. Welcome to the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. Helping you navigate the music industry, here's Rick Barker with the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. So last night, I am sitting around on Instagram, and I get a message from this dude talking about bacon bits. And as you guys who know me know how much I love bacon. So when he said bacon bits, I was like, all right, cool, you know? And then when I realized after I went and watched what it is that he's doing in these bacon bits, his name is Matt Bacon, and his bacon bits were just that, little tidbits of information and what also got my attention and I brought this up to him last night when we got on the phone finally I, when I saw what he did I'm like dude let's just get on the phone and have a conversation I said Matt Bacon 666 I said so are you the devil or what and he started laughing uh, and I, I'm gonna have people I'll tell you this right now being a believer and being someone who I always tell people you know I asked God to let me die and he didn't I said I'm not here to push religion on anyone it's just kind of my story I said, this is going to be a fun conversation because your knowledge and the way you share it is such a giving and showing how you love to serve other people. It's so against everything else that people would assume just by seeing your Instagram handle. So Matt, first off, welcome. Thanks for taking the time to share, but Thank you very tell much. me a little bit about that and how that all came about. Um, yeah. So actually, so it's funny because I don't even know. I think it like started as a joke right. um, and like my mom uh, is actually like a theologian with multiple degrees and like masters in, the in divinity, I think like, so it's sure. very, and it's funny cause like she has like black metal bands sleep on her floor all the time. <laughs> and, the, and sometimes they figure out like, Oh, this lady's like a, a published biblical scholar. Oh, we have a song about like, raping Jesus. <laughs> right. right. Hey. Yeah. Um, you know, so like I get it. Um, 
you know, for me, like, and also, you know, like I do um, work um, actually with uh, the Church of Satan with one of my people I'm affiliated with. But like, I think, like, I'm not really into any of that. I just think it's funny. Sure, <laughs> um, sure. You know, and I also think there's something to be said for like normalizing that sort of stuff. Um, you know what I mean? Um, both good and bad. Sure. Uh, and that's a whole kind of separate conversation. Like I can tell you, I can tell you a big part of why I keep it is it pisses off my mom and it makes me giggle. <laughs> you know what? And, and, and what is rock and roll, but rebellion, right? Yeah. You know. And that's the um, space that you play in a lot, but I just, I just thought it was a fun conversation because I always tell people, I, and I learned this from radio. It's like, don't bring up politics and don't bring up religion because you're never going to win. Exactly. And I always bring it back to in the right context, you could have really cool conversations. And what I love about my beliefs is that no one is wrong and no one is right. It's just their beliefs. And as long as we don't try to push our beliefs on other people and just get them to believe in something. So I just thought it was super cool and was very interesting. And I wanted to go ahead and address that before people start living, giving me crappy comments and stuff and just say, hey, judge us by our information that we're able to give you to move your career forward. And if you've got songs that you want to get out into the world, no matter what those songs are about, you can thank us later because that's what we teach people. We teach yeah. people how to get what it is that they want in front of a group of people. And when I downloaded your free ebook last night from your website and started looking at some of the social media training and knowing that a lot of where you uh, excel is in, the rock and the death metal and things like that. It's like fan engagement is universal. There is no genre that doesn't need artists to fan engagement. And the principles are all the same. Find an audience and feed that audience what it is that they want. When did you start realizing early on with your background that you had this skill set of helping people get their message in front of the world? It, it was kind of weird, right? Um, what, so when I was like 14, I started my blog, Two Guys Metal Reviews, which I still run to this day, right? And it's just a tiny metal blog that I just kind of do because it's good for me to kind of stay on top of what's happening in metal because I'm not really uh, listening to a lot of newer metal because I, I work in it. So it's kind of hard right. to, you know, like you get this, it's hard to I completely get it, you know, um, investing time in new metal when that's what I do 14 hours a day. Um you know, so I had this blog and what I ended up doing was I ended up starting to review unsigned bands okay. and like, I was like 14, so I didn't know what I was doing. So I put on the ultimate guitar forum, uh, I will review your band. And like, I still have friends from that, from like being 14, including insanity alert, who I met right after they put out their first demo. And then like a few weeks ago, I saw them opening for uh, slayer. Wow. Just like, <laughs> we've Full been circle, friends that long. Yeah, um, you know, so it kind of went from that. And so what happened was I was, and I really had this epiphany recently, I was seeing a lot of bands, um, pages, and a lot of bands, uh, how they were interacting and how they were promoting themselves, et cetera, et cetera. And so from a very young age, I was exposed to more bands than anyone else, right? So I was able to be like, oh, okay, these things are working on Facebook. These things aren't. Because I would just see like, oh, this band shared my post and got 300 views, this right. band shared my post and got 10 views. What, what was the difference? What was the fundamental? You know what I mean? Same post, different results. Exactly. Yeah. 
And so that kind of, so I kind of started to understand and like, I would see, you know, this Facebook, like this Facebook page is easy for me to get the information I want to get, you know, this Facebook page is not. And so like, I ended up like as like a 16 year old, which like in retrospect was very weird, like going to like these death metal shows and like offering people being like, Hey man, um, you know a lot more about this than I do, but your Facebook is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like we, like I'd build up a relationship first. Right. Sure. But like, that was how I started to help people out. And that ended up leading to a gig, And I ended up um, having a record label in high school and managing a band and it was cool, but um, it ended up leading to, and I, I'd run merch, all that stuff, but it ended up leading to a PR gig, which was my summer job between high school when I lived in France and moving to America for college. Right. And that was really fun. And I was good at it. And I was working with like Def Leppard, uh, well, Phil from Def Leppard side project, but like, it was just like so dumb, you know, and just cool to get to have that. Um, and so I ended up dropping out of college and moving to New York for it. Uh, the job ended up not working out, uh, for internal issues. Um, all good though. I'm still friends with the guy. We still work together. Uh, but a lot of those bands who I was working with were like, Hey, uh, we'd still like your advice because where I'd get frustrated essentially was, I'd see these bands who spent four grand on PR who didn't have a Facebook page. Right. And this is in 2014, 2015, right. but before, like now you can maybe sort of get away with it if you're really good at Instagram, but like, sure. you know, but like, it just what like basic stuff wasn't getting done. And so I would kind of just tell them like outside of my PR house, I'd be like, I know this isn't technically my job, but let me give you some advice on how to not look like a dipshit. Yeah, right. No, I just recently did a podcast with Katie Long, who has yeah. uh, her PR company. And we were talking a lot about that. And so often people will spend a lot of money on PR before they're ready for it, because they're, they're not set up to optimize the eyeballs exactly. that a good PR person is going to get you. They're going to get you a bunch of eyeballs that show how mediocre you are, or how yeah. unprofessional you are, or how not ready you are. And it's really hard sometimes to have those conversations with people because they don't know what they don't know. Exactly. And I'm always trying to explain Taylor. And I talked a lot about that because she was very observant and she would always ask a lot of questions and she would always say, you know, it confuses me why this isn't happening. And I said to her, and I still say it to this day is we're trying to function in a dysfunctional business because our rewards are not in direct proportion to the work that we put in. And sometimes inside the bubble which we're not in the bubble which is great we can step into the bubble and we can step out we see that a lot of things that they're doing are so 2008 2009 pre itunes pre youtube pre streaming and we're like guys you've been focusing on creating great music but the rest of the stuff you missed so let us come in and help you under we're not saying that what you're doing is wrong we're just saying that what you're doing isn't current and what you're doing isn't getting the maximum from the effort that you're putting in. So let us just make some little tweaks and some little adjustments and we can help you start seeing results. When did some of the bands that you started working with who are all about create, 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 when did that light bulb go on for them? And they're like, holy crap, Matt may be onto something here. I think it depends on you know, it's kind of a case to case basis. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, like, I think there's some people who I, who watch my stuff who still don't un- like, there are people who I know who watch my stuff every day who still don't get it. Cause they DM me and I'm like, 
well, no, I, I made 500 videos about this. Go watch right. that. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think, uh, I, I think it's sort of a complicated situation for every, it's almost like a personal journey in okay. a way. I like that. You know what I mean? Because I think that there's sort of this uh, very naive fantasy of like, oh, okay, I, that we all have on some level of, oh, okay, I'm going to go play stadiums. You right. know what I mean? Right. I still have that. Like, I like it's still like, oh, I'm going to go speak to fucking 10,000 people. Right. Like, you know, like it's still something I think is possible. Um, but I think you sort of have to have this come to Jesus moment, as it were, where you're like, oh, it doesn't matter if my music is amazing because right, I don't care how amazing it is if no one hears it. And I think, I think for a lot of people, at least for people connected in sort of the world of underground music, it kind of comes to fruition when you're sitting there and you go see your favorite band and 50 people show up. Right. And you're like, Oh, I have a lot of people in my world that are in the rock world. I have a few in the metal world. How relevant are the blogs in that genre? Because they don't get the same opportunities with the number of playlists that are available, with the number of radio stations that will play them, with the number of satellite radio stations that will play yeah. them. How important are the blogs in that particular niche? The blogs are hugely important. They As are. with any other uh, genre, because I've worked in other genres, you know, obviously there's the top 5% of blogs that are 95% of the audience. But what I love about metal is how gloriously nerdy it is. Sure. You don't grow out of it. It's not a fad that you go through. When you, if you're raised a metalhead, you die a metalhead. It's yeah. not one of those fads. Like punk rock was a fad. You know, there's some people, disco was a fad. Hip hop, metal, bluegrass, gospel. There's certain genres that from cradle to grave, man, it's like you get it at a young age and you'll follow it forever. And that's why right now, you brought up Def Leppard. I was doing a lot of work with Jonathan Kane from Journey. Is that's why those bands still outsell a lot yeah. of these new bands in both merch and in concert ticket sales because the, that audience has grown up with them their whole entire life. Well, like look at the Tool record outstripping yeah. Taylor, which is insane. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, and so I think so. That's sort of what makes that's almost what makes metal ROI positive at the end of the day is that like with Prophecy Productions in particular, which is very much a super nerd label, you know, and we do these two hundred dollar box sets. Like I have people hit me up regularly who are like, "Hey Matt, I'm drowning in student debt and unemployed, but I spent two hundred dollars on this box set," and I'm like holy fuck yeah. <laughs> you know? which but like also i'm stoked for them like i'm stoked that they connect with this record so hard but like that super fan thing i think you see a lot more in metal than you see it in other genres i think right. um you know i think that a a band with ten thousand facebook fans in metal but if it's the right ten thousand can get away with a 200 dollar box set sure you can't really do that with a pop artist with ten thousand fans not right now. Yeah. And not yet, especially in this world that we live in where no one will ever have to pay for your music again to listen to it when they make the investment they're investing in you as the person. So what are some tips and tricks that you can give everyone, no matter what genre, to fast track that relationship to get someone to the sale? Like today, just for example, while waiting to have this conversation with you, I get an Instagram message and someone just sends me their video. There's no, hey, Rick, how's your day? check out my new video. It's just, they're randomly just putting their stuff out and I swipe and delete those right away. I just yeah, swipe and delete them. It's like, there's nothing personal. 
What are some tips and tricks that you like to give to people to start that relationship building process? And you're talking with a blog or industry figure? Any, anything. It's like whether it be reaching out to a blog person, whether it be reaching out to someone who just followed you on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever like that. I, I, I watched one of your bacon bits when you were talking about networking backstage at events. Yeah. And you have the ability and you get yourself in a lot of those positions. And you could just be back there being a super fan and hanging out with all these cool people. But you always seem to grab someone to give some kind of tidbit of information. So what information would you give? It's like to the new person who has this music and their thought is, I'm just going to push my music out to as many people as possible, cross my fingers, hope that it works. What are some beginning relationship builders that you've seen continue to work over and over again with getting your music sure. heard by the right person. Sure. The, so it all comes down to this book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, which I read when I was 17 years old and it's probably the most important book in my life. Um, up there with like The Prince and a few others. But, you know, and what that book, one of the core tenets of that book is that other people like to talk about themselves. Right. Right. Like fundamentally, that's why you and I like to get interviewed on podcasts on some level. Sure. You know, like it's cool to tell stories about working with Taylor Swift. Right. right. Um, you know, and obviously we want to help people, yada, 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 but we like to talk about ourselves. Letting the other person talk about yourself themselves is really like the basic thing, you know, and this can take a variety of formats, you know, and usually it's better if you did barest minimum of research. So you can ask one slightly pointed question and go from there. You know what I'm saying? So right. like, for instance, um, you know, so if you have a new Instagram follower and you want to make a connection, go look at their nine most recent posts and you say, and you see they have a puppy, right? And you just send a message that says, Hey, uh, thanks for following me. Your puppy is really cute by the way. And that's a really easy way to make people go, oh, fuck, like they, they looked. They paid attention. And what's funny is he's, you're saying the exact same thing that I tell people all the time. One of the coolest strategies that I'm doing right now is when someone follows me on Instagram, I follow them back. I'll go to their profile, take a quick look, and then I'll send them a quick 15-second video message. It's going, hey, man, you know, Matt, appreciate the follow. I'm a big fan of bacon. Love the bacon bits. Keep it up. I don't go. That's, I really like that. Hey, dude. You know, it's like, and, and it's a personal video. It's like, it's a video from someone. Almost 90, I say 90, probably even higher percent of the people respond back with a video going, dude, this is so cool. I never even thought that you could do that. Thank you so much. They're also screenshotting it, sharing it in their stories, showing people that someone just acknowledged them. Like you said, they're wanting to talk about themselves. They're now bragging about themselves. So I had Maddie the gal that works for me, who's also an artist. And she did an Instagram story and she put up a quick little question. Uh, have you had a chance to get my record yet? Yes or no. All the people that said yes, she went in video, thanked them. All the people that said no, she said, by the way, I've got a box. I'm autographing them right now. They're only 10 bucks. Would you be interested in one? People responded back. She sent them a PayPal link and she started shipping CDs just by using the video messenger and yeah. Instagram because it's a free tool that's available and it's so personal at Absolutely. that point. Well, that's what's funny is I always, I'm big into DMs and I haven't done as much with the video, but I really like that idea. Cause again, it's, I think people don't realize 
um, especially people in music like to act busier than they are. Right. And for me, it's like, no, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, like I know I have more going on than you do. Right. I'm still like helping all these people. You know what I mean? Like, and you're the same way. Right. Is it's like, I'm busy too, but I also want to win in 10 years. Sure. Sure. We're looking at the long tail. We're looking at yeah. the back end. It's like the front end is the easiest part to do. It's like, we're okay getting the back end a year from now. Someone said to me the other day, they're like, you don't sell as much stuff in the beginning. I said, no, I'm selling myself in the beginning just to get your attention to hopefully provide value so that when I host a free training, you come to the training and then I can ask you for the opportunity for us to be able to work together. I had someone send me a message this morning. They're like, hey, I just put out a Facebook post and it was, it's got the most engagement. How can I monetize it? I said, by doing another one and another one and another one. It's like no one goes to Facebook to say, hey, what can I buy today? People go to social media to catch up with what's going on with their friends. So you need to go in and be their friends first. And it's like the more you engage, the better the opportunity is going to be when the time is right for you to make the offer. Too many people are trying to score on the first date. Too many people are just coming out of the fence thinking it's all or nothing. I've got to get it out right now. I've got to make money with it right now. And I sit back and I look at these songwriters here in Nashville and we got a community of some of the best songwriters in the world that they see these guys getting all these number one records, but they don't realize the first 11 years, they didn't have any hits. They didn't have any cuts, but they kept doing it every single day and getting better and better and better and better. And when the opportunity was right, they were prepared for that opportunity. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, I, and, and this is like one of the you know, fundamental issues with how America works is that like, ultimately you need to save some money to be able to have that long-term thing. But that's why I always am advocating people saving a ton of saving as much money as possible. Cause it's sure. like, guess what? I live way, way under my means, but it means I don't have to worry and I can build five-year plans that Absolutely. I know I'll still be in the business for. You know well, what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's super important that you say that because a lot of times people are investing in the wrong things. If you're a business, you have to invest in your business, but you need to invest you need to be frugal with your investments. There's certain things you need to spend more on because it's going to be able to provide you more knowledge, experience, time, and things like that. But I was teasing someone the other day. I said, someone will walk out of the guitar center with a you know $500 guitar that they're so excited about that they don't even know how to play. And then I show up and offer a $97 program to help them get their music out to the world. And I'm the antichrist because I just asked a starving artist for money. I'm like, dude, you should be pissed off at the guy at Guitar Center who just sold you that guitar you don't know how to play. But instead, you're mad at me. And I think sometimes people just get their priorities wrong. And I think that when you sit down and really look at it like it's a business and where you need to be spending money in your business, and you have a business, you need to spend money on marketing. You need to spend money on equipment. You need to spend money on education. You need to spend money on travel. You need to spend money on getting to these places that you can network and do things to move your career forward. Most artists think they just need to spend money on recording. Well, and I, well, I think it's, I think it's tricky because I think that the music industry is tricky because there's a range of people involved from hobbyists 
to people who have, um, you know, laser focus. Sure. But, you know, but they all fundamentally start at the same place. And frequently, yep. you know, you and I have both seen uh, hobby bands who are like the hip band in the college town and could draw 150 people in the college town and nowhere else. Right. You know, well, you know, which is fun and it's cool, but like that's part of how it goes. Right. right. And I think people kind of need to um, fundamentally appreciate that. Like, sure. Uh, you know, but, but again, I think it's, it's sometimes hard to figure out why is laser focused dude over here and hobbyist dude is over here when you're not thinking about it in those terms. Right. And one is because they're laser focused. The only difference between a superstar and a good artist is work ethic. Yeah. A lot of times the superstars can't sing as well, but they understand the business. And I think people sometimes forget there is a difference between the music business and the music industry. The industry at a time controlled distribution and direct access to the fan base. The business is, is the business. Now you have the ability to be a business and control the industry because the distribution channels are now in your hands. You now have the ability every day to think about it, write it, produce it, create it, shoot a video on it, use your phone to get it out to the world. Before you needed the industry to give you permission. You needed the industry to say that you were good enough. You needed the industry yeah. to get you to the distribution platforms like radio and MTV and things like that. You don't need that anymore. But it helps. It does if your goal is to try to go massive global because sure. they have relationships and they have a bigger bank account than you do. But right now, it's like I know a lot of independent bands that are making a heck of a lot more money than bands that are signed to labels that are in debt right now. Sure. And that's the part that people still feel that there's this glamour in being signed. I said, well, do the math. One in 25 artists that get signed to a label stay there. So what happens to the other 24? If that's the only hope that you put in having a career was that you got to a record label, I think you're the wrong person for this business right now. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Right now, you have the ability. If you can make fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 a year doing what it is that you love, that's higher than what most people make a year doing jobs that they hate. Yeah. Very well put, you know, and I think that's, uh, but, you know, again, I think, I think it's complicated because I think acquiring the team is sort of the biggest uh, hurdle a lot of people face once that, you know, like they're laser focused, right. Mm -hmm. And they're learning, they're learning, they're learning. But I think that you still need some team members, no matter what, um, just because, you know, some people are just, you know, you're just, there's going to be people who are more connected than you. Like by default, you know, I know more people than 98% of artists because I travel 120 days a year. Sure. And I'm at festivals, you know? Um, so like you need to have those people, but I think it's sometimes tricky to figure out where they fit in and who isn't trying to screw you over. Sure. But I also think too, that you made that a priority. And yeah. you have the same Absolutely. struggles that everyone else has, you know? So why is it that you're going to these places? Too often, I think artists sit around waiting for people to find them yeah. versus going out and finding those people. And something that was said to me by one of my mentors, two ways to get to the right person. You either earn your way in or you buy your way in. I do both. 
if I need mentorship, if I need guidance, if I need a skill set, I'll go buy that opportunity instead of sitting around waiting. Because once I buy that opportunity and I get that knowledge and experience and I start creating a buzz with what it is that I learned, then all of a sudden I start attracting the right people. Bands yeah. that, are, that aren't making any money, that are trying to put a team together, that feel that they're going to wait till they get the right team before they start doing this stuff. Today, all you're doing is showing us that you're lazy and you're not willing to treat yourself like a business because I want to invest in small businesses that are already working at some level. It yeah. doesn't have to be massive. Yeah. If a band is consistently showing up, they're consistently getting engagement, they're consistently putting out music, they're selling a couple hundred tickets, they're you know doing 100 to 200 bucks a night in merchandise, I can throw gasoline on that fire. Absolutely. Don't expect me to come in and get you to that 100 ticket level or that $50 a night in merch level and think that you can't get there because you don't have someone like me. That's not true. Absolutely. And that, that's something I think that's important to realize is like every single band who's ever wanted me to sign them who wasn't anywhere has said to me, oh, but we're going to tour a lot once we get a deal, bro. And I'm sure just like, are. well, okay, I'm not going to risk, you know, at minimum 10,000 of my buddy's dollars. Right. For you on a promise that I can pretty much guarantee you can't keep because two of you have kids. Right. And, you know, and, you know, like at the end of the day, like, yeah, you're investing in a small business. And if you see massive liabilities in that business, you're not going to invest in it. And it's the same with, like, I had this conversation with a label guy I work with, you know, he was asking me to pitch. Um, he was asking me about which bands uh, he had that I'd be willing to pitch to festivals. And I said, look, dude, it's very simple. I, you know, with my limited amount of clout, you know, I, I, you know, I feel like I can confidently get the noon slot on this festival. But the thing is, I'm not going to pitch the noon slot. Like this band might be hipper or whatever, but we both know that their uh, life, you know, that their ceiling is much lower than this band over here. Right. So I'm going to go pitch the band who I realistically see leveraging that opportunity versus the band who want a cool experience. And I think a lot of festival bookers look like when I've booked festivals, that's how I've looked, especially with the earlier bands in the bill, you know, like obviously headliners are headliners and you're like, yeah, these are, sure. they're going to pack it out, whatever. But like, if I'm looking at the, you know, if I have the choice between two bands with the same amount of Facebook fans, you know, as the opening slot on a bill, I'm going to go with the band who I think are going to actually leverage that just because like, I don't care about the money, you know, like right. I care about, especially on a festival, I care about what is the net good essentially, you know, it's, it's a very utilitarian approach, but like, it's what, but again, I have 200 bands who know I'm friends with whatever festival, Right. all 200 have hit me up. I'm going to ask that festival to hook up one of my boys with a slot, but it's going to be the band who I think deserve it the most. No, and I, and I respect that. And I think that in, in true form, the band who sees that this was a gracious opportunity that you gave them and didn't feel like, oh, I was, of course, the band Matt was going to pick. You know, the one that came to you was like, bro, we're going to do everything we can to show you that you made the right decision. It's like there's less talented people outworking. I see less talent outwork talent every single day and get opportunities because yeah. they're humble and they're gracious and they see it for what it is, an opportunity. Not that, 
you're going to go, oh yeah, he's the guy that booked us. No, this guy saw that this person is going to take advantage of it and that the festival buyer is going to go, holy crap, Matt, that band that you brought us, we're seeing their post everywhere about the event. We're seeing them talking up the event. They came out a week before and were flyering and tickets and exactly. doing everything that they could. Great call. You know, so then the next time that Matt picks up the phone and says, hey, I have this band for you. That's the experience the festival buyer is going to remember is that the last band that he brought them worked their tail off. Not the last band that they brought had rider requirements that were outrageous for where they are in their career and only spent their all their time backstage hobnobbing it with everybody acting like they were big shots instead of being out there hustling and taking advantage. I mean, I had a couple girls that I worked with that we got the opportunity to go on tour with Kenny Chesney. Now we didn't get to be on Kenny Chesney's stage. We asked for permission to have the parking lot. We asked for permission to take those eight hours that people were out there tailgating and be the official tailgate band sure. for the Kenny Chesney tour. Sure. And we're selling, you know, CDs out of a backpack, playing three songs, selling our CDs, moving on to the next group and things like that. But we were able to take advantage of this great opportunity that was presented of. Was it as great as Miranda Lambert slot? No, but for us, it was the best opportunity because we physically got to shake hands and build fans and Absolutely. build lifelong fans that when we came back to that market to play a club gig, we sold it out because all those people wanted to come back and see the, the connection. fan show that they had just 100%. met and introduced themselves in the parking lot. Dude, this has been a fun conversation. I don't get to do them that often. Where can people find out more about you and maybe go get that, uh, that ebook that I told them about, that free ebook that I've been reading yeah. last night? You've got some great stuff in there. Thank you. Uh, it's dropoutmedia.net and the ebook is dropoutmedia.net slash ebook. Dropoutmedia.net slash ebook. I'll make sure that that is in the show notes. You can follow Matt at mattbacon666 on Instagram. Send him a DM. Let him know that you heard him on the podcast and uh, start building your own relationship with him and go follow the hashtag bacon bits. A lot of cool stuff in there. And there's also some recipes in there on things you can do with actual bacon bits too. Uh, I so, saw. so this is an important clarification. That's why it's bacon's bits. Bacon's. Not bacon bits because. Okay. No wonder I was sitting there getting like salivating and stuff. Bacon's bits. There you hashtag go. Bacon's bits. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. If you feel that having a manager is what is needed in your career, if you think that is what is missing, I invite you to head on over to managemymusiccareer.com. That's managemymusiccareer.com. Take the Am I Ready for a Manager assessment, and also you'll get invited to a free manager training where I talk about what it is that a manager does, when you should look for a manager, what to expect from your manager, and I'll even break the big myth of what everyone thinks is really happening inside the music business. Just head over to managemymusiccareer.com. You've been listening to the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast with Rick Barker. You can follow Rick on Twitter at Rick Barker Music. And remember, you don't drown by falling into the water, you drown by staying there.